Welcome back to the New Report Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edward Waters, Dr. Physical Therapy, Medical and Science Points.com, Physical Therapy, Sermon, Surgeons, Minor League System. Gracias por tus oídos. Today, we want to go over a handful of things handcuffing running backs, a handful of guys that I targeted late in drafts this season, and some guys that might still be on your waiver wire that you might want to acquire because of their running back mate's injury history and a few data points to back up the process of waiting for handcuffs. But first, I want to ask you to please subscribe to my newsletter. Please subscribe to the podcast itself. My newsletter is at my Twitter profile, at FB Injury Doc. The podcast, of course, wherever you get your podcast, you can download, rate, review. I hate asking. I always think it's kind of hacky to ask, to leave a review, to leave a rate. But if you enjoy the podcast, leave a little rate, leave a little review. Do me a favor. That'll really help get the numbers up. Really appreciate you for all you do. Let's get it. 2021, that was the worst platitude I could use for 2021. But let's get after it nonetheless. So this specific topic really didn't come from any idea that I created. It was just something that I wanted to look into a little bit more. And I found a really good paper by Omari and colleagues. It was an actual original research paper published in PubMed. It was called Effective COVID-19 on Injury Rates and Timing in the National Football League. So exactly what you'd expect. They were looking at injuries from 2017 to 2019, injury rates, and a bunch of other variables that you can go in and read that paper on your own. It's open access. Uh, They were comparing it to the 2020 season because that was, of course, the COVID season. For fantasy purposes, this was a really interesting paper because it essentially highlighted the basis of what handcuffing for upside is. The first thing I wanted to point out was that ACL and hamstring injuries from 2017 to 2019, they peaked from the preseason through week four. Achilles injuries peaked in the preseason at first and then peaked again around week 14. And moving away from that research, specifically when it comes to high ankle sprains, I found that from 2016 to 2021, 13 of 17 running backs who sustained a high ankle sprain and who saw 300 plus snaps in the previous season were injured before week six. So before we move forward, I just want to establish handcuffing for upside is a lot different than handcuffing your own running back. I wouldn't recommend handcuffing your own running back. And a lot of analysts will say the same thing. They don't necessarily recommend backing your own running back up just because it wastes a roster spot. Even if your guy goes down and you end up having your handcuff, it's a lateral move. And a lot of times it's actually a negative move, depending on the situation in the team, that guy might not even get the full allotment of snaps. So when it comes to handcuffing for upside, really what we're looking for is a running back who potentially would get all of the carries or a majority of the carries and touches if the starter were to go down. And this next part sounds kind of macabre, and I don't want to be the person who roots or cheers for injury. I'm not. I'm not cheering for injury. I'm not rooting for injury. We want every guy to stay healthy. But the unfortunate reality is that guys get hurt and previous injury is the best predictor of future injury. Not necessarily for something different, but for a very similar issue. But that's sort of a topic for a different day. The primary thing that we're looking for, again, for a handcuff for upside is a guy who we assume will get most of the work if the starter goes down. And a guy whose running back teammate has a long, specifically recurring pattern of injuries. This is a part of the game, and I do think it could raise your probabilities of handcuffing a guy that's going to have some upside, even if it's for a week or two. Please don't take this as me predicting injury. Please don't take this as me rooting for injury. But the unfortunate reality is that there's a 98% injury rate in the NFL, and fantasy gamers can take advantage of what the fallout, what the result is. But of course, we root for health all the time. And when guys get hurt, we root that they come back healthy and bounce back. That's the starting point. Now, moving back to the data that I pointed out before, this is where it gets relevant. So if ACL and hamstring injuries peaked through week four 
and Achilles injuries peaked through week four and then again in week 14. In addition to 13 of 17 running backs with 300 plus snaps in a previous season, sustaining a high ankle sprain before week six, I really think that you have to hold on to your handcuffs. That's just playing the odds. It's not to say that every single injury is going to happen in the first six weeks, but based on the data in this specific set of injuries, it does seem to be that the most likely outcome is that it will happen in the first four to six weeks. It's not to say you hold on if another guy becomes available. For example, if somebody left Trey Lance on the waiver wire and you got to go after him with your fab, or if something else crazy and wild happens like it does every year, and you need to spend your fab on that individual and you can't keep a roster spot and there's a guy clogging it who's an upside running back, yeah, of course, take that Trey Lance, right? Take that other player who is going to provide more value for you in that moment. Don't just clog up your roster with these guys, but I do think that holding them for at least four weeks is probably the right move if you're cuffing them for upside. The other point I wanted to make too is that a handcuff isn't necessarily a guy like Kareem Hunt or Tony Pollard or A.J. Dillon, some guys who might have some standalone value. Like, yeah, they're kind of a handcuff because if the starter goes down, then obviously they have the nuts upside. But a handcuff is somewhere more along the lines of Eno Benjamin, Alexander Madison, guys who are primarily only going to see an uptick in volume and an uptick in value if the starter goes down. The last one I wanted to highlight was that this does not mean that a player's teammates are going to get injured. This does not mean that other handcuffs don't have value. This does not predict anything at all. What it is, is a pragmatic way to try and estimate intelligently which handcuffs have the most value, relatively speaking, if you hold on to them. So to summarize, there's a lot of research showing that a subset of injuries primarily peak in the first four to six weeks of the season. If that's the case, we want to identify which players are more likely to benefit from their starter going down by first identifying if they'll see a big chunk of the workloads, and second, if their starter or their teammate has a long, recurring, repeating injury history. Again, this does not mean we're rooting for injury. This does not mean we're predicting injury. We're trying to intelligently select which players we believe might stand to benefit the most based on their situation and based on their teammate's injury history. We hope all their teammates stay healthy, but the unfortunate reality is that there is a 98% injury rate in the NFL. Again, I cannot emphasize that enough. I'm not predicting injury and I'm not hoping or rooting for injury. Unfortunately, they just happen. And as fantasy football gamers and analysts, it's our job to point out where we might have the highest probability. If you're handcuffing for upside, the first guy that I'm targeting is probably Eno Benjamin. This guy is likely to see a big chunk of passing work, and we know based on reports out of Arizona that they really like Eno Benjamin. Again, it's not to say that he's the most talented guy in the world. This is really more so about James Conner. And James Conner, who since 2018 has finished just 72% of games due to injury, has this recurring pattern of major connective tissue injuries. In fact, five of the last seven seasons, he's had some sort of connective tissue injury. Obviously, I'm not an injury-prone truther, but the bottom line is that James Conner has hovered around 58 to 63% of snaps for his entire career. Last year, he averaged about 58% of snaps, and he still missed two games. In 2020, when he saw 63% of snaps, he was able to finish just 11 games. So if we assume James Conner is going to get a bigger workload than about 60% of the snaps, that might be a concerning inflection point for James Conner. Of course, we don't hope for this to happen but that does make Eno Benjamin a probability 
handcuffed for upside. The next guy that I'm going to talk about might surprise some people because I feel like this situation with his starter has really gone under the radar. And that's Leonard Fournette and Rashad White. So the bottom line is that Leonard Fournette hasn't played more than 13 games since entering the league. He's had chronic ankle and hamstring issues all the way back to college and followed him all the way through last year. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, running backs get hurt, Ed. When you're the one who told me, everybody gets hurt. And that's true. That's that's not wrong. But the bottom line is that 69.9% of top 12 PPR running backs on a points-per-game basis from 2016 to 2020, they missed two games or fewer. So in other words, Lombardi-Lenny, based on averages, is in the bottom 30% of games played. What if that happens in the playoffs, in the fantasy playoffs? What if that happens in the first week? What if that happens in the eighth week? The bottom line is that Lenny has these chronic issues, and especially for somebody piecemealing together their RB2 slot, Rashad White might be the guy to target to throw on your bench who might still be out there on your waiver wire. This next one I've been touting for the last two years, and I understand that it hasn't necessarily been the most valuable handcuff, but it's Alexander Madison. The bottom line is that there is legitimately about a 50% chance that Dalvin Cook's shoulder re-dislocates based on data, on objective historical data. And at this point, Dalvin Cook's shoulder is not being held up by much connected tissue in that labrum. The hope is, of course, that Dalvin can stay healthy and that Dalvin can continue to produce and put up numbers, but the odds are stacked against him. This is one of those injuries that doesn't get better with time. This is an injury that gets worse with time, especially every time it re-dislocates. And the bottom line is that if it re-dislocates one more time and it continues to be an issue, he's going to need season-ending surgery, Dalvin Cook will. Again, that's not to predict injury. Unfortunately, the objective data shows that Dalvin Cook could be in some trouble. And of course, Alexander Madison could also blow up some backfields if he gets traded like there have been rumors to occur. So again, Alexander Madison, he's a guy that I know at this point we've lost some steam on him. He might be a post-hype handcuff if that's a thing, but he could still provide some fantasy football value for you in a couple of different ways. So like I said in the beginning, we don't root for injury. We don't want injury to happen, but the unfortunate reality is that there's a 98% chance of injury in the NFL. And because of that, we want to target potential handcuffs for upside, guys who might stand to benefit a great amount, a great deal if they became the starters. So thanks again for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, follow me on Twitter at FB Injury Doc, share the podcast with whoever you possibly can. Thanks again for listening. Good luck in the week.